Welcome to the One Within All to another episode of the Innerverse podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing one of the most mysterious and prevalent elements of the entire cosmos. That would, of course, be water, the most magical and misunderstood of all mysteries. (laughs) So we have an amazing guest for you guys to listen to today. This is Isabel Friend. She is a water advocate, a researcher. She's the president of the American Water Trust. She has a long list of credentials as she's done much to help spread the message of why hydration is more than just something that maybe you check off your to-do list and more actually quite a spiritual (laughs) element of our existence, maybe even the origin of all things, perhaps the mind of God traveling through our realm. And the life cycle of water is definitely on the conversation topic list today, as well as perhaps some devices and technologies, techniques to enliven the liquids that you guys are drinking out there. So very excited to get into it. Isabel Friend can be found at waterislife.love. She's also got a YouTube channel with great videos on there where you can learn about her uh, her crush on Victor Schauberger, <laughs> the Analemma water wand, and I'm sure other things that we're going to get into today. Very excited for this one, everybody. Welcome to the show, Isabel. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on, Chance. I'm happy to be here with you today. So, Isabel, why don't you introduce us to yourself and your best friend, Water? <laughs> well, the first part of that is pretty simple and short. And then the second part, it might take us a couple hours to get into. Um, myself, I'm basically just a, a professional nerd. I've been studying water since 2009. And um, at that point in time, I was a nutritionist and I was specifically focusing on nutrigenomics, which is how the food that we eat affects our gene expression. And I was finding that when we eat wild, undomesticated, non-hybrid foods, it gives us a more wild um, and natural gene expression like our our wild ancestors and progenitors had. And the less domesticated our food, the less domesticated our health and our our character expressions and all of that. So at the time, I thought, you know, humans have pretty much unlimited um, 
capacity. And in my belief, I believe that we are infinitely capable um, of far more than we realize. And I thought at the time, oh, you are what you eat. So that must be the key to unlocking it, right? But then I started to discover the work of Victor Schauberger, who you mentioned in your in your intro who, as you said, I have a bit of a crush on. He was a naturalist from the late 1800s, early 1900s, and had a more advanced understanding than our modern hydrologists will get to even two, three, four hundred years from now. Um, so they say that, you know, what Tesla was for electricity, Schauberger was for water. And actually, Tesla studied some Schauberger uh, for a lot of his later work that he started to get into it. In his later work, he started talking more about water. Um but that's when I started uh, studying his work and I started drinking only from wild local springs that I would go and harvest water from. And I found that actually the water we drink is far more important than the food that we eat because we're 70% water by volume, but molecularly speaking, we're 99.95% water molecules and water mediates everything to do with our bodies our minds and our emotions. And um, so that was kind of the beginning of my wormhole of explorations into water. And I've just been voraciously reading everything I can since then and putting it all into practice as much as I can. And I've been teaching since 2014 and uh, professionally since 2019. And um, so that's a little bit about me. And then a little bit about my best friend, Water. Mm. Where do you want to start? Well, who is water? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm alluding to the fact that water is not really a thing, but more of a being, right? And even mm-hmm. saying a being is sort of a misnomer because in my experience, water could be being itself as like yes. beingness, the <laughs> existence, you know, the primeval self-existing uh, essence of all, right? I mean, that's my best answer for it in a short nutshell but yeah who who is water i love it you get it you're basically echoing the very first philosopher ever his name was thales of miletus he's he's credited with being the very first philosopher and he said water is all water is the ground of all being everything comes from water and everything returns to water and our modern science is just starting to catch up with that realization. And there were, of course, many uh, philosophers throughout the ages. Goethe said something very similar. Um, and ancient indigenous cultures, they all echoed very similar uh, precepts. It's all throughout the Vedas and the Upanishads. It's all throughout um, pretty much all of the, the sacred texts of all of the major religions. When you're looking through the eyes of water, as we say, you can see that fundamentally water is um, the most divine substance that's been cross-culturally revered all throughout human history. And part of the reason for this is not only because we are, as I said, 99.95% water molecules. We are, as it has been said, we are a way that water has of walking instead of flowing. Um, you know, we are basically water brought to life. Water itself could be considered the glove on the hand of consciousness. I like to consider water as being the sensory organ of God, the sensory organ of the universe, the sensory organ of nature, meaning water is um, not only sentient, um, but incredibly sensitive. So water as a being has an enormous capacity to 
receive, to sense, to store information, vibration, and frequency um, from her environment. And so, whereas we have anywhere from five to 12 senses, depending on who you ask, water has at minimum 440,000 senses. So for every cluster of water molecules, when the, when the water molecules join together in a very coherent way, then you get these clusters that join together and those clusters form these sacred geometries that function as memory cells. And each of those memory cells has at minimum 440,000 panels each of which is responsible individually for sensing and storing information, vibration, and frequency about its environment, not only sensing and storing, um, but also transmitting and transducing those frequencies and those signals. Um, and so really, you know, water, water sees, water hears, water feels, water understands, water reflects, and so when you taste water, water is tasting you. When you see water, water is seeing you. And that's why this reciprocity, this relationship, I think is the most important step that we can possibly take, not only um, in our health, because we've seen time and time and time again in scientific studies that when you have a reciprocal communion with water, when you recognize it, when you honor it, the molecular structure fundamentally changes. So not only does that molecular structure make that water much more bioavailable and much more hydrating, but even on an ecological level as well, when you start feeding crops, water that is more coherent and more full spectrum, the results that we're seeing are astounding, greater nutrient density, um, lower crop senescence, a longer growing period, um, literally revitalizing the entire microbiome of the soil that those crops are grown in. So it could revolutionize agriculture. And then, of course, if we re revolutionize agriculture, we completely shift the climate. Uh, so, you know, climatologists like Walter Genet and others have basically boiled climate down to the fact that it's far more a uh, the shifts that we're seeing now are far more a result of hydrological cycle depletion than they are from carbon. Carbon is kind of just like this wild goose chase chasing our own tails. I mean, carbon only mediates like 4% of energy transfer in, in the atmosphere. Water mediates 96% of energy transfer in the atmosphere. And so you can trace the weirding that's been happening um, directly along with the agricultural shifts in the way that we've been depleting the, the watersheds and the hydrological cycles. Um, and so there's this hydrological depletion uh, that's happening. So when we understand and we, we create this reciprocal communion with the living being of water, we shift the climate, we shift medicine. Fundamentally, because water is life, water has the answers to all of life's toughest questions, where, whether we're talking about economy, sociology, spirituality, medicine, you name it, water is the fundamental foundation of it all. And this may sound like an extreme statement to people who aren't um, familiar with this topic yet. And I, and I totally get that. Like, it sounds like I'm making really, really broad sweeping statements here. But over my 14 years of research, it's just kept coming back to this again and again and again, you know, regardless of what uh, trail of research I'm going down, it keeps coming back to water. So, you know, even when we start looking at quantum physics, which, you know, is is kind of 
synonymous with our, our spiritual evolution, the more we can tap into the quantum realm, the more we tap into our infinite capacities as as living beings, right? As spiritual beings. Well, you know, what are the quantum capacities of water? First of all, water is the only uh, thing that's ever been studied that's capable of quantum phenomena at room temperature. So normally to, to witness quantum phenomena in a laboratory, you need like, you know, uh, pure vacuum and you need um, absolute zero temperatures and that sort of thing. But water displays quantum phenomena, even at room temperature. So it's always in communion with the quantum field and is in that communion in direct proportion to its coherence and full spectrum um, nature. So what are some of the quantum phenomena of water? Well, when it's in its quantum tunneling state, um, researchers at Oak Ridge National Laboratory discovered that water can pass through solid walls, that the same water molecule is capable of bilocating and even sextolocating. So it can occupy multiple locations in space at the same time. It can do a lot of the feats that we generally credit with ascended masters, with with spiritual masters, with the cities of ancient yogis who were able to do these things because they had tapped into the fundamental consciousness of their own bodies. Now, when we look at the substrate of the universe, what is the universe fundamentally made of? Whether we're talking about a subatomic scale or a macrocosmic scale, physicists measure the universe as a superfluid. So you can measure atoms by their superfluidic nature. And a superfluid just means a, a liquid that never runs out of energy. It means it behaves like a non-entropic or rather syntropic water. So water that never runs out of energy, that's what uh, that's what the universe behaves like on a subatomic level. That's also what the universe behaves like on a macrocosmic level. Right. So the more we can connect our own inner bio waters and our drinking waters with the non-physical waters um, with which they're always in communion, again, to the to the exact proportion of the, the physical waters coherence and structure, then the more we tap into that quantum potential. So you're talking about water being a living being. Well, just like we as living beings have a body, mind and spirit, water also has a body, mind and spirit. And so typically, when we talk about water, we're just talking about the body of water, we're just talking about physical, liquid, solid or gas. And that's such a depressingly limited view of water. We desperately need an expanded definition. Just like if I'm talking to you and I say, Chance, hey, what's up? I'm not just talking to your body. I'm talking to your mind and your spirit and your personality and everything that you are. And so the same is true of water. We need to start developing that level of reciprocity, that level of relationship with her now. Personally, in my research, I've come to the understanding of water's body, mind, and spirit as being body, of course, the physicality, the the liquid, um, solid and gas, and then water's spirit being hydrogen, which is a really fun rabbit hole to go down if you want to talk a little bit about that. And then water's mind as being the ether, the Akashic field, the, the, um, the source energy, the quantum field, whatever you want to call it. It is this, um, uh, uniform, ocean, this cosmic ocean that is uniform throughout all space and time and contains all information, all energy, vibration and frequency in the form of pure latent potential. And that I think is the superfluid substrate of the universe. And when we ennoble water, we allow water a greater level of connection with her own 
mind in that way, in the same way that when you are sleepy or even comatose, like most water that we encounter, most water that we encounter is what we call bulk water, meaning there's no coherence, there's no spectrum of light frequencies contained within um, those molecular um, structures. That water is not connected to its full capacities. Just like when you're really sleepy, you're not at your full level of cognition and wit and presence, right? So when we ennoble water, we wake her up, we literally get her into con- into greater contact with her body, mind, and spirit. And, um, and I think that is kind of our dharma as bodies of water. That is kind of our, our role and our responsibility because when water awakens, we awaken. What we do to water, we do to ourselves. Oh, I love it. There's so much to get into with that uh, first couple minutes here. Wow. That old, um, like maybe a little bit new age seeming maxim about being the ocean in a drop not just a drop in the ocean. It turns out that that's like literally true. (laughs) (laughs) It is literally legitimately true. I mean, look at yourself on a cellular level, cellularly, uh, each by volume, each one of your cells is 70% water. And then you look at your body as a whole and volumetrically, your body is about 70% water. And then you look at the earth as a whole, the surface of the earth is about 70% water. And then you look at our, our, uh, solar system as a whole, the solar system is about seven, the, or at least the condensed matter in the outer solar system is about 70% water. And then you look at the universe as a whole and about 70% of the universe is hydrogen, which comes from the Latin hydro meaning water and gen meaning creator. It's the creative spirit, the creative essence of water is again, 70% of the entire universe. And then if you, if, of the visible universe, 70% of the measurable universe. But if you actually zoom out to the non-measurable universe, which includes dark matter and dark energy, which together form something that physicists call dark fluid. So there in astrophysics, there's a a, uh, a theory called dark fluid theory that says that um, dark matter and dark energy, because they both behave more like wavy fluids than they do like solid matter, they're actually uh, part of the same substrate, which we could think of as like the difference between fresh water and salt water. So this dark fluid in general, which is non-measurable, that makes up um, about 95% of the universe, right? Which if you include 95% of the universe as a whole, which you, if you include the visible universe, makes it 99% of the universe, right? Because what is that dark fluid? What is dark matter and dark energy? There's a theory that says that it's actually ionic S state hydrogen, a non-measurable form of hydrogen. So zooming out, you see that if these theories are correct, which there's so much evidence in, in astronomy and cosmology to say that it is, then hydrogen, the spirit of water, is actually 99% of the universe. And then scaling back from the macro down to the micro again, we look back at our bodies again and we say, wait a second, our bodies aren't just 70% water volumetrically, they're 70% water, but molecularly, they're 99% water, right? 99% of your molecules are water. So water just teaches us again and again and again that the reason why the hermetic principle of as above, so below, as within, so without is true is because the universe is fluidic in nature and water fundamentally is a fractal. So it is the the medium 
through which as above, so below, as within, so without actually manifests. So when we look inside, we see the universe as a whole. When we look at the universe as a whole, we we see that mirror within ourselves and we see those exact same ratios every time we look at a watershed, you know? So basically we are watersheds nested within watersheds. We have watersheds inside of us. We have hydrological cycles inside of us and they're mirrored in the ones that are outside of us as well. It's just different ways that water as uh, as embodied consciousness, as physical consciousness has of flowing through the different systems of the universe, which are self-similar. They're always mirrored. Water is the, water is the primordial mirror, right? It's always reflecting. It's always embedding. It's always having those, those mirror-like tendencies. I just love how enthusiastic you are about the information <laughs> you share. And, you know, we're going to have a really good time here. I like to tell people this is the black belt course. So they don't have to hold back. They don't necessarily <laughs> have to lay all the basic groundwork. Like this audience is incredible and uh, really advanced in my opinion. And that's, I love that. I like I'm it. so grateful for that. Cause I feel like I usually answer all the same questions on all the same podcasts, but I was checking out some of your, uh, some of your previous episodes before we got on and I was like, Ooh, we can go deep together. I'm excited to chat with Chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even just the idea of going deep, there's so much of our language that revolves around water and what you were saying about it being the mirror. I couldn't agree more. The ancients totally get it. They have a bunch of different deities who are mothers related to words for the sea, mare in Latin being Mary, you know, and then Mira, the Phoenician mother of uh, Adonis, who's like their Jesus character. Mira sounds like Mary, but it also sounds like mirror. So there's so much there. And even though I like, I personally don't agree with the uh, theories of astrophysicists just because they have fancy math. I think that that doesn't work out, but I do think that they're saying the same thing the ancients were saying, which is the, yeah. bo- the waters above. So like yeah. I, I can get, you know, I can definitely get behind that. <laughs> you look up at well, stars through a telescope. They look like a, a light. They're cymatic resonances. Absolutely. Yeah. They are sonoluminescent cymatic resonances in water. You can actually do the exact same experiments in a laboratory and create stars inside of water that look exactly the way that stars look in a, in an, um, uh, what's the word analog telescope. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more about most of astrophysicists, most of astrophysics being absolute bunk and NASA being nothing more than a money laundering organization. Absolutely on the same page with you there. I was just looking today at photos of the the pale blue dot of Earth from different years. And it's like, it's not even the same picture no. every time. It's, it's uh, what are they doing? It's different every time. I don't think they're doing much. I, I think they're this. just keeping the money. <laughs> but that's the side exactly. side subject. Um, and there's, but what there's I so love many about good things to get it. About, um, about dark fluid being actually made of hydrogen is that it actually provides a better understanding of the phenomenon of redshift than does the quote unquote Big Bang. The math on the Big Bang has never made sense. And it basically, at least in, in my estimation, is just shows kind of the very, uh, masculine nature that, you know, modern Western science has always had. Like, it's just this, like, uh, ejaculatory expulsion, right? The Big they call Bang. It the Big all bang. Of yeah, of course, right? that's how life begins. Right, no, <laughs> the whole universe together, is you know? <laughs> far more implosive. The whole universe is far more um, 
flowing and more layered and more uh, more emotional and more like the universe itself, sure, is a giant orgasm, but I'm not saying that it's, you know, a, a big bang. And so when you, the whole reason why they came up with the idea of the big bang in the first place was to describe, was to have a theory to explain something called redshift, which is basically how long it takes light to travel and the fact that based on that, it seems like the universe is expanding. Well, they said to themselves, why would the universe be expanding? Maybe because it started with a giant explosion. That's actually not true. If these theories about all of, um, uh, all of dark matter and dark energy being fundamentally hydrogen, a certain type of non-measurable hydrogen, because hydrogen is measurable at the 21 centimeter line, but if it's a type of ionic hydrogen or S-state hydrogen, which again is the spirit of water, then that explains redshift without having to have a big bang because basically it's, it's expanding because it is in a fractal in way creating more and more layers of, um, internal depth and complexity within itself all the time. And so, you know, what is our, what is hydrogen fundamentally? Well, hydrogen is, at least we're talking about protium hydrogen, which is the the number one champion of the periodic table. Yeah, it's the best. It's, the it's literally one. as as um, Dr. Albert Saint Georgie, who was a Nobel Prize winner, said. He said, "Water, er, uh, hydrogen is the fuel of life. All life, all evolution, all energy creation in existence is." based on hydrogen. And so hydrogen, protium hydrogen is one proton and one electron. Well, that electron is always dancing around and kind of doing its own thing and joining other hydrogens and going somewhere else and popping in and out of 3D reality. And so sometimes for picoseconds at a time, all you have is a bare naked hydrogen or a bare naked um, proton. So when you have that proton by itself, what is a proton? Well, according to Nassim Haramein and a team of other physicists, the best understanding that we currently have of what a proton is, is a black hole. It's a 64 tetrahedron black hole. And so water is constantly opening up these little black holes inside of it all the time, which is what allows it to communicate transdimensionally. And Furthermore, you know, you have a a whole separate team of scientists saying, you know, maybe actually dark energy and dark matter are made of black holes. So without realizing it, they're actually agreeing with the scientists who have this theory of, uh, of uh, dark matter and dark energy being made of hydrogen. And so why do all ancients consider water to be the mediator between the human and the heavenly, between the physical and non-physical, right? Between the mundane and the divine. When you're looking at the traditions of holy water throughout every single ancient religion, every single mystical tradition, every indigenous um uh, practice, you know, uh, water ceremonies and water rituals and that kind of thing, even though they're all very different, they use very different languaging. Fundamentally, they use water in the same way as almost kind of a telephone or this, this communication point between the physical and the non-physical. Could that be because water itself is two thirds hydrogen and that hydrogen as the spirit of water, as the fuel of life is constantly popping in and out of communication through these little subatomic black holes. 
Side note, I think the cutest thing that I've ever read in all of my research was hearing actual astrophysicists say, there are little baby black holes all throughout the universe. <laughs> little baby black holes opening little baby universes. They said it literally opens baby universes inside of dark matter and dark energy. And so we have the capacity, you know, if you think of, of dark matter um, and dark energy as being, you know, correlated to what we, we consider to be the ether, the etheric field, this non-measurable um, oceanic energy that pervades everything. Well, then it makes a lot of sense then why why the ether is the mind of water and hydrogen is the spirit of water. And if we actually ennoble the water that we come into contact with, we give it the capacity to be incredibly powerful, incredibly transdimensional, incredibly healing, frankly, miraculous. When you look at some of the things that water is capable of in her most ennobled state, it is frankly miraculous. Yeah, absolutely. It is. So a little about me. I do sound therapy for people. I use tuning forks as a detection method to find imbalances in the energy field of a client and then help them figure out what things in their mind need to shift so that they can get that energy back. And I always found it very helpful to explain to them because we do it remotely that the idea of separation and distance is a mental concept. And if there was a way to describe with physicality and in maybe a reductionist way or to bring it into the material, what that connection is, I think water is a great descriptor of it because there's, is there really a separation between the waters in me, the waters in the air, the water where they're at, or is it one big continuous fluidic medium, you know? Mm -hmm. I love this. Yeah. One of the, one of my favorite quotes comes from Herman Hess. And, um, he said something to the effect of, you know, don't you know that a river is not separately conscious of being the spring and the flow and the mouth of the river all at the same time? It has no awareness of time. It is persistently present. And uh, he didn't say it in quite those same words, but basically what he's saying is that just like we are not separately aware of being a head and hands and toes, we are more coherent than that. We're more cohesive than that, right? And water in the same way, because she's so connected to the quantum field, is not aware separately of being the water in the atmosphere and the water inside of you and the water that is being emitted from a black hole, being actually the only thing that can escape from a black hole or the water inside of the sun, because the water actually contains millions of tons, or the sun actually contains millions of tons of water inside the dark umbra and sunspots, um, is not separately aware of of being the water in a jaguar's mouth. It's not separately aware of being the water in, you know, the pipes of your toilet bowl or the water in your glass or the water of the last exhale that you ever make in this lifetime or the water of your great, 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 great grandmother's bloodstream who is long dead and gone. It's like time and space are not perceived by water in the same way that we do, that we perceive them. Because water fundamentally has this unique relationship with the very fabric of time and space itself, which is super fluidic in nature. And so, you know, she is 
equally present throughout all time and space, equally aware throughout all time and space. She is the oldest and most intelligent being and her memory doesn't only go backwards towards the past, but forwards towards the future. How do we know this? I mean, it sounds like I'm saying a lot of woo-woo new agey shit right now and, and I get that, but you know, a lot of this is actually, um, you know, we can, we can see it proved out. So for example, there are laboratories who are currently using water to predict um, sun flares or solar activity, even weeks beforehand, water knows this is going to happen. There are certain labs that are also using water to predict earthquakes. Water knows when this is going to happen far in advance. Um, you know, people who work with a type of water divination, which is called hydromancy, there are many different forms of hydromancy practiced in many different um, cultures throughout the ages. And you can easily predict to the future. I don't want to say easily. It's a, it's an art. It's a practice to master, but you can predict predict the future using water. In fact, that's how Nostradamus got all of his predictions, which were incredibly accurate. He was actually practicing a type of hydromancy called scrying, where you stare into a black bowl filled with water. Um, and so that's how he, he received his predictions. As I said, water is so intimately connected to the Akashic field in the same way you're connected to your own mind that when you actually tap into that capacity, anything becomes possible across time, space, and dimension. So yeah, heal it. Incredible healings are possible. It's like, there's this, there's this fluid in which we are all swimming as bodies who are mostly made of fluid. And we kind of are the embodiment of the age of Pisces, right? Pisces is the fish, you know, Fish tend to swim in the water. It's been said that fish have no awareness of the water that they're swimming in. You know, like one fish comes up to an, an enlightened fish comes up to another fish and says, hey, how's the water today? And the one fish says, the what? What? How's the what? Because it's just their reality, right? And it's the same with us. You know, we're swimming in water as bodies of water, living on a body of water, completely unaware of how pervasive this this liquid consciousness is. And I feel like that's really the shift that will happen as we transition to the age of Aquarius, which is the water bearer, is we learn how to conscientiously steward and bear the enormous responsibility of liquid life force and liquid consciousness and how water as a holographic map of reality can actually create and pattern our entire experience in this 3D realm. <laughs> this is fun. I'm going to have to get into some more of the the practical questions in a second, but I just can't resist making the more mystical observations. It's so fun. Like the age of Pisces, I, I liken it to the concept of the deluge, except the deluge or the flood is delusion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now we're sort of getting our head out from under the water in a way. And the age of Aquarius, whether or not that's kicked off or yet to come, that's all up in the air in terms of who decides how to measure that. But yeah. it would be an age more about the circulation of mm -hmm. things, the flow of things. And so, we are seeing, I think, a, a heightened degree of awareness and consciousness about the interconnectivity of all the all things everywhere at once. And that's demonstrated through the fractality. But I want to, yeah, while we're in the first hour, I want to leave people with some takeaway that maybe, you know, they can actually put into practice or go look into more on their own. So you've talked about ennobling water, and I'd love to get into that. And maybe if the conversation can also steer towards the idea of the phases of water, like its life 
phases because mm-hmm. <laughs> I found that interesting. Uh, I think those two topics kind of weave together in a nice way, right? Yeah, they can. Um, so basically when we're ennobling water, what we want to do is just recreate what nature does. So typically when water comes to us from the tap or bottled water or most of the water that any of us have regularly come into contact with in our lifetimes, it is devitalized, denatured, dormant, comatose water. And so it needs a lot of TLC. It's, you know, especially if we're talking about tap water, it's been frankly traumatized, you know, and it, and it needs to be awakened and brought back to life. And so you know, water as a living being has uh, a life cycle, just like we have. So water that is gestating in an aquifer, aquifers are like the womb of Mother Earth. And then in the process of being drawn through the birth canal of coming up to a spring, there's this incredible birth process that happens where water is actually, um, you know, vortexed by the forces of lunar gravity and then emerges or is born from a spring as this fresh, vibrant, vital, living, highly coherently crystalline structured entity. And then, um, you know, and there's a lot of magic that happens there as well. Like there's much higher levels of Ormus there, for example, which Ormus are mono and diatomic elements that are spinning so fast that they're basically in a state of pure light. I mean, you know, water itself is basically liquid light for every one part matter in a molecule of water, which is the hydrogen and the oxygen. You have one trillion parts photons. So a trillion parts light particles to one part, um, it's a one part matter. Um, and then you also get this incredible birth process that happens at a spring where this toroid of energy, um, is present. So you have all of the, um, the hydrogen vortexing up from underneath the aquifer, which comes to the head of a spring. And then you have all of this oxygen or ozone vortexing down from the atmosphere and they meet at the spring head and actually generate de novo water. Of course, this only happens in very, very healthy environments, very healthy ecosystems. Um, you know, mostly, um, in the high mountain springs, le- a little bit less so at the, at the valley springs. But, you know, there's a lot more water in rivers than can be accounted for by the amount that's coming out of a spring or even falls in rainfall. And hydrologists have no, hydrologists have very little plausible explanations for almost any of the anomalies of water. But this is one of the ones that stumps them. And, you know, Schauberger said, well, just like any other living being, water has a way of regenerating itself, a way of reproducing. And this is one of the ways that water reproduces itself by this toroid that happens. And of course, when you get ozone and the and the molecular hydrogen coming up together in these vortexes, it creates new water. And so you have this water being born at a spring. That's the birthplace. That's why they've been sites of pilgrimage for eons even before we were homo sapiens right like there's there's evidence dating all the way back to the bronze age of springs being sacred places and we know that spring water is some of the most healing water so when we ennoble water we're actually trying to recreate what happens at a spring and uh, recreate the geology of the spring recreate the the chemistry and the energy and the movement patterns at a spring to bring any dormant comatose water back to life again so that is fresh newborn vibrant young water that's the best water for us to drink but then water continues down her path along the river and she picks up a lot of information along the way. And we call that the maturation process. That's maturing water. So 
Water is, as we said, the sensory organ of nature. So she's very sensitive. She's listening to the sound of wind wrestling in the trees. She's listening to the bird songs. She's picking up all of the minerals in that area, all of the nutrients in that area. She is, you know, the, the universal solvent, right? So she's dissolving everything. She basically licks the whole world to death in a way. And she's picking up on the uh, geomagnetic, um, resonances that are coming from the rocks and the Schumann frequencies and all of these frequencies. She's picking up on the the solar energy, all of the UVA and UVB and the full spectrum from sunrise to sunset. She's picking up on all of the phases of the moon and all of the emanations of light from all of the stars and all of these mature water and give her the capacity not only to self-regulate, to to intelligently um, clean and regenerate herself. So water in a naturally flowing river, very, very different in a in a uh, a river that's been straightened by, you know, man-made straightening, which is pretty much all of the rivers nowadays. Um, but in her original path, you know, as she flows, she spins in a in a vortex within the river she spins to the right and then you hit a meandering path where the river switches direction and then she's vortexing in the other direction and these vortexes allow her to not only structure but also to clean sediment out from the bottom of the riverbanks to push nutrients out to the to the sides of the riverbanks um and to you know recycle the the temperature and the density gradient so it's warmer on the top and cooler on the bottom and there's there's all these intelligent patterns that are happening in the cyclical process of a of a river as it's maturing on the way downstream that allows her to be perfectly suited to be the ideal medicine for that exact ecosystem. You cannot take water from one ecosystem and expect it to be equally medicinal in another ecosystem because the way that she matures is what determines the medicine that she has, right? So um, that she has for those living beings who are, who are living there. And so then she gets to a lake. And a lake is more stagnant. It's more slow. The water starts to heat up a bit. The molecules start to spread apart. And this is what we consider to be elderly water. So elderly water um, starts to warm in the sunshine and then gradually it starts to evaporate. And then as she evaporates, she kind of... Um, you know, goes up into the heavens and then begins the life cycle all over again when raining down and then seeping back into the aquifer again. So that's kind of um, a crash course on the life cycle of water and why we want to drink water that either comes directly from a fresh spring or has been taken through certain processes to mimic what happens at a spring. So what are those uh, ennobling processes so that people have some, yeah, some, some takeaways that they can implement at home? Um, I tend to break it down into uh, a few steps. So the f- the first step is to get the best, the highest quality water is forage. If you can find your local spring, go to findaspring.com and forage for wild spring water. Whenever that's not possible, then the next steps will mimic what happens at a spring and that's filter, structure, balance, and energize. And then embody is a, is a sixth step, which is very important for making sure that the water actually gets into your body and is absorbed by your cells. 
kind of another topic. So filter, what happened, we're basically mimicking, mimicking what happens in the geology of a spring where water is filtered by all of the layers of soil and roots and microbes and the different layers of uh, clay and carbon deposits and all of that. So um, the geology perfectly filters spring water uh, as it rains down. And then again, as it comes up from the aquifer, it's double filtered. So we want to filter our water for sure. We want to be very careful about what kinds of filters we use because a lot of filters like reverse osmosis and distillation, they can actually create what we call an aggressive solvent, which is a water that will proactively dehydrate you, will actually leach minerals from your body over time. So that's filter. The next step is structure. So that's kind of what we've been talking about all along about these bonds that are formed between the hydrogen atoms within water molecules, and it determines the level of coherence. So I like to think Think of it in terms of, you know, as water is maturing through her life cycle, she needs the same things to be healthy that we need. So we need hygiene to be healthy in the same way that water needs to be filtered to be healthy. Most people stop there. Most people say this water has been filtered. Therefore, it's good water. This water is clean. Therefore, it's healthy. But that's like saying I took a shower this morning. Therefore, I'm healthy. Obviously, health is a a much, you know, greater conglomeration of different factors in our lives. I heard, I heard you in one of your videos referring to water like you got to treat her like she's a beautiful woman. So a beautiful <laughs> woman needs more than just a shower. She's got to do a lot of other stuff. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We have all our little all our little beauty rituals we have to go through. Well, that's that actually comes from the Kogi tribe in Colombia. They have one of the most intact water cosmologies of any indigenous culture. And they say that we treat water like the most beautiful woman in the universe. As as men, you treat water like you would treat your dearest beloved wife or like you would treat your mother or your daughter or your sister or somebody that you care for more than anyone. And then as women, we treat her like a primordial mirror or like our mother or like our sister or our daughter. And I think that's one beautiful way of conceptualizing water. So we want to filter her just like we need hygiene, but also we need quality relationships in our lives. And that's one of the most important factors of health. It's actually been shown that isolation kills. If you are lonely, you are uh, more likely to die of all cause mortality. It's one of the the most um, toxic things you can actually do for your body is to be in a state of isolation because we're we're fundamentally tribal beings. And so is water. So I think of those and isolation, you know. Yeah, hey, that's a good We're no longer one. fluid. We're no longer flowing. The ice isolation. I think there's a reason why those words have a, a shared root. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So the relationships that are formed inside of water are the relationships between these hydrogen atoms. And there's all different kinds of relationships. There's um, electrostatic bonds and van der Waals bonds and um, different uh, theoretical kinds of bonds that... Um, correspond to some of the more uh, anomalous properties of water. And, but I think of those as like relationships in a community. So there's friendships and there's romantic relationships and there's familial relationships. And we need each of those different types of bonds to be very strong in order for the community itself to thrive. I mean, what is a community of humans except a community of bodies of water? What is a, what is a uh, cluster of water molecules except a community of bodies of water, right? And so the, coherence of these molecular clusters, meaning the different cultures that are formed through the types and the strengths of relational bonding that happens there equates directly to the cultural strength and beauty uh, of the cultures that are formed by people drinking that water. So 
water needs community and connection just like we do. When you, when you have bulk water, which is most water that people come into contact with nowadays, it is, you know, those hydrogen bonds are forming and breaking apart billions of times per second. There is no time for them to snuggle up and communicate with each other, right? They need to connect. They need to transfer information, vibration, and frequency amid one another. And that has everything to do with the relationships. So that's structuring. And it literally takes water from being, um, bulk water to being crystalline water. It's like the difference between coal and a diamond. Coal and diamonds are both just carbon. The only difference between them is the relationships between those carbon atoms, right? So most of us are drinking coal water and most of us are having relatively coal expressions of our, of our bodies, minds, and spirits that are, are channeled through the water that we are made of. And so, um, you know, Drink diamond water, be diamond water. It makes all the difference. So that's structure. Balance is um, a matter of a, a few different things together. So for balance, we want to make sure that water is eating properly. So just as we partake of the earth element by eating um, food that was grown in the earth or food that ate food that was grown in the earth, water partakes of the earth element by dissolving minerals within herself. So when you dissolve minerals in water, we call those electrolytes. And it's very important for water to be a whole well-rounded being to have a good uh, spectrum or profile of electrolytes. So she needs to eat properly. She needs to breathe properly. Of course, you can't separate yourself from your breath and your breath has an incredible effect on your mind, body, and spirit. And so the same is true of water. Water needs to exchange gases like oxygen and carbonic acid and uh, molecular hydrogen. And she does this primarily by moving. Whenever water moves, as she's always moving in nature, she's never completely stagnant in nature. Even when she seems to be still, there are still, um, you know, underwater uh, flows and different um, gradients of, of density differentials that are creating micro movements within the water. So she's in nature, she's never just purely still, right? And yet what, do you, what happens when humans get our hands on water? We stuff her in little plastic bottles that are like little water gravestones and she slowly dies inside of, or we put her inside of these municipal water holding tanks and stuff like that. And she becomes very stagnant. When she's stagnant, she can't breathe, right? So this breath of water is very important. It dissolves nanobubbles of dissolved gases within the water, which actually increase the surface area of the water. It increases the sensitivity of the water, increases the structure of the water. In fact, Dr. Tom Cowan said he believed that one day science would find that the dissolved gases inside of water are just as important as the liquid water itself. And I would say you can't separate them. Just like we need our breath to be alive, water needs its breath to be alive. So it's very important to aerate your water. The next step in balance is um, uh, the microorganism composition of the water. So just like we need a thriving microbiome, water also as a whole well-rounded being needs a thriving microbiome. Water in nature has innumerable microorganisms and microflora, microfauna, uh, a microvirome, a mycobiome, all of the above uh, dissolved into her. In fact, when you drink wild harvested spring water, you're actually basically drinking a natural probiotic that we were designed to have within us all the time. One of the reasons why people are suffering from such um, microbiome loss across the board is because we're not drinking natural water anymore. And so water needs uh, all of these elements of balance. And then the last step is energize. So when water is in a formation, which is the structure step, 
then she can store information, which is the energized step. So this is basically what memory does this water have? How has this water matured as we were talking about in the life cycle of water as she picks up on all these these subtle environmental stimuli that's the maturation process it's also what we mimic when we energize our water or we pattern it or we program it and there are a number of different ways that you could do this almost an infinite number of ways that you can do this but basically whatever vibrational frequencies and information water is exposed to during this step this energized step she will become a liquid vessel of that uh, a physical version of that vibration and then deliver that into your body or into the garden or environment or whatever she's going on to nourish. So those are the main steps to ennoble water. The last step is less about the external water and more about the internal water. It's the embodiment step. It is uh, making, and I think it's really the most important, at least when we're talking about, you know, healing and biology and hydration is making sure that your cells are really equipped to retain and absorb that water and put it into good use. Um, so, you know, we talk about hydration. Most people think, oh, yeah, hydration is drinking water. Hydration, at least in, in my opinion, has very little to do with the water that we drink and everything to do with the state and the quality of the water that we're actually made of. <sighs> Lots of stuff to unpack in that. I'm... <laughs> Man. So when you were talking about the uh, young part of the water's phase of life when it's fresh. What is it about the first phase like that make that makes it best for our consumption? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it's highly, highly structured when it arises from a spring. Again, it is um, rich in ormus elements, which are these mono and diatomic elements. Um, it's, it's just the most life-giving. It's the most vibrant. It's the most vivacious. It's water in her, in her pure, pristine state. I mean, you look at any, um, any ancient culture and they revered spring water and we, First of all, you feel a massive difference when you start drinking raw, wild spring water and you look at all of the most healing waters in the entire world. I mean, places where people will make pilgrimages from all over, you know, they'll travel thousands and thousands of miles to go drink these particular healing waters. They're not the waters in a river. They're the waters at springs. Like um, in Lourdes, France, for example, there's the Miracle Spring at Bernadette's Grotto, where there have been, I think, about 65 scientifically uh, documented cases of miracle healings, meaning the Vatican deployed their uh, research and said, yep, this is absolutely a Vatican-approved uh, healing. There's no other scientific explanation for how this person healed. But anecdotally, there's actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of people being healed. It's just that these 70 that were, you know, considered to be official miracles. But people travel there all the time because miracle healings happen. There's also Nadana, India. There's also Tlacote, Mexico. There are these these um, different waters around the world that are miracle healing waters. They're all spring waters. And what's interesting and Nadi is actually that, means water in Sanskrit. Nadi? Yeah. But what did you say that place was? N- n- Nadana. Nadana, yeah. India. Yeah. So at all of these sites, like in Nadana, India, they cited, I forget which Hindu god they, they saw there, god or goddess, but they saw a, a, a deity there that's been cited. Um, also, Jesus was cited at the spring in Tlacote, Mexico. 
the Mother Mary was cited at the spring in um, in Lourdes, France. And so this is People really see Mary cool. everywhere. And she's the her name is sea it's water right? you know right? it's funny you see the sea you <laughs> see the sea and we see through seas as well because our the lenses of our eyes are 99% water we're actually witnessing everything through this prism of highly structured water all the time she determines our our whole experience of 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 life um but all of these springs have in common all the the most healing, all most miraculous springs in the world have in common incredibly high levels of atomic and molecular hydrogen. So again, the more hydrogen is in the water, not only the more healing it is, not only the more hydrating it is, but the more magic and mystical and connected to these trans-dimensional states and experiences, the more uh, connected to the Holy Spirit itself it is. So I think that's one of the reasons why we see all of these deities at these springs and one of the reasons why, you know, Again, hydrogen is the fuel of life. So the more hydrogen in your water, the healthier it's going to be. So the highest levels of hydrogen are going to be at these springs, at, at those springs in particular, but at springs in general. So because hydrogen is the smallest and most volatile element um, on the entire periodic table, it evaporates really quickly. And so, you know, you want to get it right at the source wherever you can. And there's going to be a, a lot lower level of, of hydrogen down the river. Awesome. I'm really interested in that topic of hydrogen. I just received a uh, device called the AquaCure. So I wonder what are your thoughts on that? I mean, probably the way nature does things and having nature do it for you is always going to be ideal. But are you uh, very well versed or informed on machines that add like electrically charged or available hydrogen to inhale as gas and also it bubbles into water that you can drink? What are your thoughts on stuff like that? I'll just yeah. say a few days into using it, um, <laughs> it's really helping my workout recovery. Nice. <laughs> like muscle soreness and recovery is like way improved and seems like I need less sleep, but I, I need more time with it to know how it's really, you know, influencing things overall. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the most common things that we hear of people who start drinking more molecular hydrogen enriched water is improved recovery times because Hydrogen is actually what creates ATP in your body. And ATP is the molecule that's responsible for structuring your intracellular fluid. And the more intracellular fluid you have, the higher your cellular voltage. So you actually become more, um, you literally have more prana, more mana, more chi, more voltage uh, in direct proportion to the amount of hydrogen that you have in your cells. So I think it's really important to be very discerning with the kind of uh, molecular hydrogen you suffuse your water with. So I like the AquaCure because that's not molecular hydrogen. It's actually Brown's gas. It's molecular hydrogen and oxygen, uh, which because there's no membrane separating the two diodes within that machine, it actually creates plasma, water plasma, which is, you know, we've been talking about the mind, body and spirit of water. Plasma is the soul of water. Like plasma is super magical for sure. The only thing that I don't like about the AquaCure is that it is directly electrolyzing the drinking water. My favorite Favorite devices actually electrolyze a separate container of water and then channel that gas into your drinking water. So they're not directly electrolyzing your drinking water, but rather a separate uh, container. And then just the gas itself ends up getting suffused into the water. So, um, so the AquaCure is probably the best thing about it is the breathing, the gas more than the actual water. 
that you can drink? Both. I, I like both, both good, with though. the aqua cure. Yeah, they're both suffused with um, with water plasma. And most of the hydrogen water generators don't necessarily have that Brown's gas water plasma element to them. What makes the aqua cure unique is that it doesn't have that membrane separating the diodes. And so you get that, you get the two gases kind of joined together again in this alchemical state that makes it water plasma. So it's really unique in that way. Um, personally, I, I, I border on preferring just pure hydrogen gas. So the one that I recommend for that is called the Lord's Hydrofix. And as I said, you have to be really, really careful about where you source these kinds of machines because there's so much crap on the market that does so much more harm than good. Like a lot of things that are just made with really cheap metals, which when you electrolyze cheap metals, they break down into the water and then you're getting heavy metal toxicity in the water. So this is one of the main things that we need to, you know, cheaper is not better in this case. It's like, you know, when we prioritize being cheap, there's just a race to the bottom and there's so much harmful stuff on the water market now, unfortunately, you know, even things like that. asking for a low quality life. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. You're programming all the waters of your entire existence of like, uh, just give me the worst quality that requires the least effort. Exactly. Yeah. Buy organic food, for example, you're, you're mm-hmm. telling yourself in your life, this is what food costs. And then you, what you're used to, what you're adjusted to, how, how resources flow to you and through you is at this higher quality level. So like we're all backwards, not us maybe, but like a lot of people are just all backwards thinking it's all about efficiency and boiling it down and crunching the numbers and the lowest possible cost. But really your current, your energetic current in your body is also going to be the amount of energy that reciprocally is available to you in your environment. And that because we're talking about the fractality of stuff, that's a big thing. Yeah, we can definitely get down the rabbit hole of prosperity consciousness and the flow of water and the, you know, it's currency fundamentally, pretty much all of our, our uh, terminology for describing wealth and prosperity is actually water uh, terminology. And so when you understand the nature of water, it really taps you into that, that wealth consciousness. But at the same time, it's not necessarily the most expensive thing is the highest quality. Like one of the most expensive things on the market right now is the Kangen machine. Everybody's obsessed with Kangen. I can't stand them. Like I do not recommend people <laughs> electrocute their water just to free its spirit, to free the hydrogen. It has no filtration. It destroys the structure of the water. It's yeah, it drives me nuts. Uh, I was turned <laughs> off by just like the whole pyramid scheme, multi-level marketing way that that stuff is getting around. <laughs> that yeah. alone put it off for me. But it we're we're reaching a good point to maybe. uh take our midway break. So I'd love to. I just want to say one more thing before we do. So I did mention the, the Lord's Hydrofix, which I strongly recommend, but the other thing that I recommend um, for people, if you're looking for just like a one stop solution that does all of those steps, normally you'd have to take each of those steps that I described individually and do them manually. And there are a lot of different tools and it's fun to play with the alchemy of it all. But if you're just like, I do not have the bandwidth for all of this stuff. Give me one thing that does it all. Um, the most convenient solution is called the um, Spring Aqua Wet 7. It goes under your sink. It filters, structures, balances, energizes, and suffuses the water with really high therapeutic doses of molecular hydrogen without electrolysis. So um, both the Lord's Hydrofix and the uh, Spring Aqua you can find on my website, waterislife.shop um, for easy access 
to those. And yeah, that's, that's like my number one solution. There's so many more things that I could recommend so many more fun things to play with, but that's like the, that's the only thing that I've ever found that does it all. I've been teaching these steps for many years and it wasn't until the end of like 2021 that I discovered this, this thing, this, uh, spring aqua. And I was like, Oh my God, it does it all. And at a really high quality. So that's my recommendation. Love it. Yeah. And we didn't even get to talk about other stuff that I'm curious about. Friends that told me about you were raving about the Analemma wand. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> so I know so, that people will be able to find, you know, you talking about those things from your website, from your YouTube channel. But remind everyone where they can find you and, you know, give your closing thoughts to our, our first hour listeners. Yeah. So you can find me, um, you can find all of the tools that I recommend, whether they're water filters or water structures, you can find all of my well-vetted recommendations at waterislife.shop. Um, you can find my, uh, courses at waterislife.academy. There's all kinds of free resources on there, webinars, courses, workbooks, all kinds of things on every aspect of water from, uh, water activism and guardianship to oceanography to water alchemy to the spiritual aspects of water to your hydrobiology as a body of water you name it i've got a course on it um and then you can find me most often on instagram which is just my name at jen isabel friend and i try to stay fairly consistent on there and as you said there's also a youtube channel I think my I think my assistant uh, kind of syndicates everything to everywhere. So if you're on TikTok, I think you can find me on TikTok. She reposts everything there. If you're on Pinterest, you can find me there too. So, I gotta give me one. Yeah, of let's those. connect. A TikTok. Uh, yeah, and an assistant to put stuff on it. <laughs> I recommend great. it for sure. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for hanging out with us, and we'll take our break now. But on the other side, I'm looking forward to getting into some of the mystic stuff, the fun stuff. Now that we've covered a bit of the practical and scientific, we can discuss cultures and religions that really revere and comprehend the primacy of water. So thank you for being here, Isabel. It's been fun and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks everybody for listening and I'll see you on the other side. I had a lot of fun on that one, guys. I think you did too. Very amazing, some of these people we've talked to lately and their scientific knowledge. Like this was a conversation where multiple times I was like, Oh shit. I don't know shit about shit. <laughs> no, I mean, I gotta be honest. Like there's this tendency in myself that uh, I'm starting to really become conscious of, and I'm wanting to dial it back. I think, I think it may have even been part of why I started a podcast. And that tendency is like, really wanting to be the special one who knows the answer. <laughs> like I think in school, I was the one who always raised my hand. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm working on that. If you ever noticed that about me that like, oh, I got to chime in with what I know about it. And here's why I'm the smart one. I'm working on it, you know, feeling, feeling humbled by the amount of awesome knowledge that Isabel brought to the scene and the opportunity to learn more about our bodies and how they work and this amazing reality we find ourselves within you know in particular in the second hour when we talked a lot about the brain structure and cerebral spinal fluid and all that i found myself realizing how much opportunity there is to grow and how much 
knowledge there is yet to comprehend about this amazing fractal. But what's really cool, amazing fractal of life, right? But what's really cool is like, there are certain aspects of the pattern that if you get that, then it will help you understand other parts of reality when you are examining them. So the I, you know idea that's coming to mind right now is about the the arc and the destruction and regeneration of the cosmos and how, as we spoke about with Isabel in the plus extension, the baby and placenta being like Noah and the boat and mother's waters breaking being like the flood. All of that is so awesome. I love the fractality. I love the micro macrocosm reflection. But let me back up a little bit. First of all, thank you, Isabel for being my new friend. Ha. I'm sure I'm not the first one who said that, but you can find her website, waterislife.love. And that's going to be linked in the show notes. And you know what else is really cool? You heard at the end of the free hour, how Isabel, uh, you know, gave the thumbs up to the Aquacure. She thinks the Aquacure is good. <laughs> well, that's pretty neat. Cause if we just talked to George Wiseman, right? That's like a recent episode that maybe came out a week before this, most likely. And behind me here, there is actually an Aquacure. That's an Aquacure right there. George sent me one. I've been really loving it. It's uh, making me feel like there's a lot of adjustment occurring as I use it. And I don't know where I'll land in terms of how much benefit it's going to be. Other than to say, it feels like there's been a lot of benefits already. And I think a big part of getting your hydrogen diet intake improved is going to be a long-term effect. So I'm excited to see in the long-term how that does affect me. But in particular, I'm for sure noticing workout recovery is faster and <laughs> the, the way I feel post-workout is less painful. I don't know if that is really, you know, from the aqua here or not, but for sure I can tell that it's affecting my sleep in that I don't feel like I need as much sleep. In that, I mean, you know, maybe my sleep patterns and habits haven't changed, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm not feeling as haggard. <laughs> I'm the type that I don't wake up early because I have to per se, but because there's so much fun stuff to do and things that would be productive or positive to do, or like I said, just fun that I find myself really, uh, sacrificing sleep for the sake of doing. And that's probably something I could work on, but Aquacure. And the hydrogen, the Browns gas does seem to be helping me with in the mornings, not feeling as tired. And then diving right into inhaling gas as the first thing in the morning is very cool too. So uh, about the aqua cure, you can find out more from that episode I did with George or go to George's website, check in the show notes. Linked in every episode would be in a link to where you can buy an aqua cure. And there's a coupon code Interverse that gets you a sizable discount and also supports Interverse in, in return. And, you know, I'm not the only podcast that has a, a George Wiseman link. I think Balderson has one. Uh, probably others do as well that have interviewed George. And as much as I'd love it if you supported me, I just think it's cool if people get Aquacures. So if you'd rather that kickback go to Baldy or, you know, somebody else that is also offering that, then be my guest. I just think it's awesome. And as long as you're getting a discount, that's good for everybody. And then it was cool how she mentioned other machines that do something similar. And I would be curious to find out more about those. I'm looking forward to when this episode premieres and I'm going back and hearing it again because I'll be taking notes, <laughs> uh, more notes. So I did take notes as we went in this talk. 
Now, the plus extension, um, we should talk about that for a moment. That's something you can get on Rockfin or Patreon. The links to get the extended content are in the show notes and episode description, wherever it is you're accessing this, of course, like always. And uh, please do support Interverse and thus support me. It's the only really tangible method of supporting the podcast other than just sending me a donation or, or tips or super chats. So thank you for the reciprocity and I hope you enjoy the second hour. And if you are curious what you might hear on the other side of the paywall, <laughs> the ice wall, we get into a deep dive on the etymology of wa- words for water and deities and saviors and uh, Odin and Bacchus and Mercury and the whole nine. Then we talk a lot about the ability that water has to apparently generate life via sunlight, like spontaneously generate life. The, we discussed the Hopi time paradox and, you know, touched on some in, elements of indigenous creation stories. We discussed the priests of Bali, the cerebro spinal fluid vortexing up the spine. <laughs> as Topher <laughs> squirts inside himself bare, Topher Gardner would talk about the uh, <laughs> bringing that, bringing that chrism, that holy Jesus Christ up your shishumna, I think they say. Basically, that whole esoteric doctrine. And, uh, you know, I thought Isabel had some really good comprehension of what's going on biologically with that that made it sound very very interesting and maybe worth pursuing you might think after you hear it i don't know which is wow we also talked about the body's ability to create new water like new water which apparently is something that i think george weisman said the the aqua cure was doing as well i'm not sure uh, we talked about the kogi tribe of columbia and their water cosmology that water contains all worlds of reality very interesting take. And then uh, at the end, really, we were already two, uh, we were already like an hour into the second hour. And I probably <laughs> otherwise would have wrapped it up, but I couldn't help myself. I was like, we got to talk about the placenta. So we got into talking about mother's amniotic fluid, the similarities of that to the ocean, babies as amphibians, all that good stuff. Placenta, holy guardian angel. Very fun. So I hope you do check it out. Patreon or Rockfin. It's cheaper to sub on Patreon, but on Rockfin you get the whole network. So and we do live streams on on Rockfin, so that's fun. <laughs> on on the plus extension episodes where we're actually live or on the premieres of the episode, you can hang out with like-minded people and chat with them. And you can do that all day, 24-7 in the Interverse Telegram channel, which I hope you do consider joining, especially if you've already got Telegram. If you don't, I don't know what you're doing. There's really not a lot of value in most other social media apps or things. So I hope you check that out. Now, I wanted to address too, um, you know... <laughs> Although this is such a good audience that is very uh, not prone to going crazy on people for having slightly different views or believe in things that they themselves no longer believe in, etc. I will address, though, you know, not as a dispute or pushback, but that, you know, maybe somebody out there heard Isabel talking about astrophysics or outer space or things like that. And their cosmology is different. I know my, my cosmology is different. My cosmology is more agnostic. Like I don't, I don't know, but I know of course that all the mainstream assessments of where we are, or I should say dogmas are clearly very flawed 
deceptive intentionally, um, in a lot of ways, destructive to one's sense of, of harmony and place in the universe and all that. But, you know, I, I'm just at the point where I look at everybody's cosmology, whether it's scientific based or not, as a mythology. It's all, it's all mythology. Using language to describe reality is always fingers pointing at the moon. So no matter what those fingers look like or how accurately they're pointing at the moon, the fingers pointing at the moon are not the thing, you know, or it's a reflection of the moon in the lake. All of those type of terminologies, right, apply here. So, you know, when you hear somebody talking about astrophysics and dark matter and things along those lines, and, you know, maybe it rubs you the wrong way or you're considering throwing out everything that they said other than that because you don't believe in that one thing, I get it. But I get that. But maybe try opening up your mind to the to cons- to listening to that type of stuff coming from scientism as allegory. Because as soon as you do that, and just treat everything as allegory. <laughs> How about that? Words are not the thing. You know, symbols are not the thing that they represent, or are they? I guess that's kind of a, a, a contentious idea as well in um, the occult and esoteric studies. Maybe symbols are the thing they represent. Maybe not. But my point being. You can treat everything, whether it is scientific materialism and their their cosmologies or ancient wisdom and mythology or religion. In a way, it's all allegory. And as allegory, when she describes dark matter and the fluid nature of, quote unquote, outer space, while allegorically, all of that actually is a good description. It is accurate. So. Uh, I personally didn't have a problem with her talking about dark matter or astrophysics, but sometimes I get a little sensitive to how people might react out there. Probably uh, just a few who would be special boys in the chat and need to let everybody know, oh, she thinks this, you know, (laughs) probably giving a lot more of a disclaimer than I need to. But it just felt like, you know, I had that epiphany and I wanted to share it that it's all an allegory, everything. There are no perfect combinations of mouth sounds that are now an exact representation of the truth doesn't exist. It's all mouth sounds and mouth sounds are not the same thing as reality (laughs) or are they? I don't know. I'm just getting myself in circles here. Very fun time with Isabel. I'd like to have her back on for maybe a vibrant. Let me know maybe in the, the telegram group or in the live chat during this premiere, who you think she would be fun to see mix it up with in terms of like maybe an extra bonus guest. I, I thought it seemed obvious to maybe get her Isabel and Veda Austin together. That would be pretty sweet, but we'll see. I know she's interested in uh, continuing the conversation. She did such a good job of flow stating <laughs> throughout the, all of that very much made my job as an interviewer easier. Uh, loved it. So yeah, check it out. Check out, Check out the uh, Aqua Cure. Check out all the links in my episode descriptions. Get the Spirit World books that I've narrated as audiobooks. That's a great way to support the show. Clive DeCarl has excellent supplements. Check that out. Also linked. Typica New Herbs. Get yourself some herbal tinctures and other products that will help you achieve your goals in life. There's so much cool stuff that is now kind of integrated with interverse that supporting one supports the other. I really love that. So, you know, be more than just a free barnacle listener and (laughs) also practice some reciprocity in some way. And, you know, reciprocity means that we both benefit, right? I think that that was a cool part of the conversation too. Uh, 
I, I believe that was in the first hour. Getting out of the cheap mindset, not being a cheapo, <laughs> getting the, the best thing, not necessarily the most expensive thing, but definitely the best thing that that mindset of I just I select the best thing. <laughs> at all times. And I pay for what it costs and I get the best. That is such a helpful and healthy mindset. It really shifts the way life and the universe responds to you and what it offers to you. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind before you think, I can't afford $5 a month for a huge archive of extended show, interverse shows. Really though, $5 is so cheap. It's, <laughs> it's, it is literally cheap. You know, I've been thinking that in terms of that, like the cheapo mindset, I probably at this point on to raise that to maybe an eight or $10 ticket cost for, uh, the second hour of shows because it, you know, $5 don't go as far as it did five years ago, which is crazy because that's not very long ago. Anyway, I'm just kind of talking in circles. Like I said, had a fun time feeling jazzed up from that chat with Isabel friend. She's a gem and we will talk to her again. See you guys in the telegram. Hope you're having a wonderful vernal equinox and, and beyond and uh, much love out there. Don't forget. <laughs> be like water, my friends. Isn't that how it goes? All right. See you guys. <laughs>